Hey, this morning we are continuing in this series we've been doing this last several weeks called Mad. So everybody just like nudge your neighbor and just tell them, don't be mad. Even if your favorite football team didn't win yesterday, don't be mad. Nothing to be mad about. Even if you're a Texas fan, don't be mad. Don't be mad at me, Boomer Sooner. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Hey, we've been doing this series this last several weeks called Mad. And we've been talking about this idea that there is so much of this in the culture that we live in today. There's so many people just frustrated, angry angry, mad. In fact, raise your hand if you've noticed this in the culture these days. Have you noticed this? Man, you just look around, you see it happening in the news, you look in your Facebook feed, you see the things that are happening in politics and the things that are happening between races and all of these things that happen in families. And there's this anger, there's this frustration, there's people that just sometimes just tend to seem to be mad. And it even happens among Christians, even in the church. And we talked about this fact that it's really not something that should should be actually surprising. It's actually something that Jesus predicted would happen way back in the day in the book of Matthew. And we've actually kind of had this, this passage that's really kind of been the driving force of this entire series. And I want us to look at it again. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 10. It's going to be on the screen there as well today. And let's look at it together. And Jesus said, and then many will be what? Everybody say it aloud. Many will be offended and will be betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of what? Everybody say that aloud. The love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus says, hey, there's coming a time when there's going to be an anger. There's going to be a spirit of offense that is going to overtake the world that we live in. And it's not just going to be among those who are not Christians, but it's actually going to even happen among the body of Christ, among Christians, that there's going to be this offense and this anger that's even going to bring us to a place that many people that who were at one time on fire, one time their love for God and for others was blazing hot, their love will then grow cold. We've been talking about this over this last several weeks. We've been talking about what this looks like. And we've kind of just mentioned some of the different types of anger that we see happening in the culture around us. We talked about the first week that there are some people that are just mad at the world. How many know anybody like that, right? I mean, it's just like mad about everything, just kind of mad at the world. We talked about that the first week. Then we talked the second week about sometimes you just get mad at your brother. How many you ever been mad at your brother before? Come on, raise your hand. Maybe they did something, they hurt you, they said something someone that you love and someone that you know. And sometimes it's even the people that we love and know the most and and we love the most that can actually hurt us the most and cause us to be the most offended. Then last week, we talked about the story in the scripture of the two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Martha got mad at her sister. And we talked about the reason for that is this thing called the expectation gap. I would encourage you, if you weren't here last week, go back and check out the podcast and listen to that. I believe it'll help you. It's helped me this week. I talked to others in the foyer today who said it helped them this week. I believe it'll help you as well. Today, we're going to look at another kind of anger. And I'll be honest today that what we're going to talk about this morning is, is one that I think Honestly, many churches and many pastors really don't really want to kind of talk about this subject. It's something that I believe happens, but something that I think we kind of just kind of pretend that it doesn't happen. And not many pastors and many churches would really talk about it. But I think it's something worth talking about. And this is what we're going to talk about today is sometimes there are times when you find yourself just kind of mad at God. 
In fact, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand today because I don't think that would be appropriate. But I do want you to think about this question for just a second. Have you ever found yourself in that place? where things just didn't work out the way that you wanted them to work out in life and you find yourself angry and frustrated and maybe even at times you found yourself, maybe you wouldn't admit it or maybe you wouldn't want to say it out loud, but you thought, man, I'm hurt or I'm disappointed or I'm angry or I'm frustrated or I'm resentful towards God. The fact of the matter is, I think that that's a lot of us, even if we really wouldn't want to say it, I think that some of us have experienced it before. In fact, I think it's something that that happens quite a bit. I I did a little bit of research this week as we were were studying and preparing for this this message. And I found this survey that actually I came across that says that about 62% of people admitted that on occasion they found themselves being angry at God. The statistics seem to even go up as you got to people who were younger in younger stages of life that among college students, about 87%, check this out, 87% of believers reported that sometimes they would feel negative emotions about God or after a personal setback or loss in their lives. And it didn't just happen among believers and among Christians. In fact, the survey reported that people who were even atheistic or agnostic actually reported that sometimes they had anger towards God, even more so than religious people sometimes. I would say that most of us, almost every single one of us, probably if you got down to it, 99.9% of us would say that there have been times when maybe we felt a little frustrated at God, or maybe we didn't understand what God was doing, or we felt a little bit disappointed disappointed about what God was doing in our lives. Would you agree with me on that this morning? You just shake your head. You don't have to raise your hand because I know it'd be hard to raise your hand for that, but isn't it true? And so I want to talk about it today. And I want to just look at like, why do we become angry at God? I think that there are some reasons for it. And I want to just point those out. And then after that, what I want to do is talk about what do we do if we find ourselves in that place where we go, man, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, I'm mad, I'm resentful towards God. What do we do? So let's just take a, take a look at this. If you're taking notes, I want to just notice four reasons, I think, that some people, that many of us find ourselves sometimes angry at God. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. I believe the first reason we find ourselves angry at God is because of wrong teaching. Everybody say wrong teaching. Now, here's the deal. There is a teaching that goes around in Christian circles these days, in churches, you might see it on TV, a teaching that basically kind of goes like this, that if you come to Jesus, that when you come to him and you give your life to him, that from that moment on, everything in life will be great. And there will be no more problems and there will be no more struggles and there will be no more issues and no more pain. In fact, you will just receive a halo that you will put on your head and you'll just walk around on clouds all the time being guided around by angels who, who just remove all the obstacles from your life while you ride around on a pink and purple unicorn. How many know what I'm saying? Now, maybe I made that unicorn part up, but the rest of it is actually something that goes around in culture today. How many have heard this teaching before? Basically that if you come to Jesus, then all of your life's problems will go away. And this is a teaching that is prevalent in the world, and it's it's not always direct. Now, some people directly teach this, but sometimes it's not a direct teaching. Sometimes it's a little more indirect, but we get this idea that if I come to God, I'll never have any more problems. There's a problem with that teaching is that it's wrong, 
And so you go, well, where does that teaching come from? Well, actually, I believe the teaching actually comes from the scripture. It just comes from a, a misinterpretation or a taking of scripture out of context. In fact, there's a lot of scriptures that I could look at, but just one, in, in, for instance, that I think it comes from is this one that actually happens to be my very favorite scripture in the whole Bible. The problem is if you take it out of context, it can lead to wrong teaching, and that's in Jeremiah 29, 11. How many know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says? What does it say? It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. How many believe God has that kind of plan for your life, right? That is awesome. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that scripture. I believe that scripture is from God. There's nothing wrong with teaching that scripture. I have taught that scripture on many, 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 many occasions. The problem comes when we take that scripture out of context in which it was written and out of the context in which we find the rest of the Bible and we begin to look at it just with that scripture. And here's what happens sometimes is we look at that scripture and we think, okay, God has a plan for me. And people teach this. God has a plan for you. So if God has a plan for you, that means that you will always prosper and that you will never have any harm come into your life because God has a plan for you. And the problem with that teaching is that when we really believe that teaching deep down in our heart, it can lead to some anger and resentment towards God because here's the thing is, yes, God has a plan for you, but that doesn't mean that you won't ever have any harm or that you will always prosper. But when we think that this is what we're supposed to do, that always going to prosper and never have any harm, then when we do have harm come into our lives or then when we do have times when we're not prospering, what is the result of that? We think, well, God, I thought you had a plan for me. And if you had a plan, for me, then why am I having this struggle? Come on, how many know what I'm saying? And what does it do? It leads towards an anger towards God. God, if you really loved me, God, if you really had a plan for me, then, then why, did my, why did my husband file for a divorce? Or why did I lose my job? Or why is it that I'm praying for this person or this thing and it's not happening the way I wanted it to happen? Because God, you said you have a plan for me and I will always prosper and I will never have any harm. But that's not what the scripture says. In fact, if you take that scripture and you look at it within the context of the entire Bible, here's what you will see. That there were people that God definitely loved and had a plan for their life, and yet they still struggle with some harm and some danger and some difficulties in their life. I mean, you can start from the very beginning of the book of Genesis. Joseph, you remember his life. God said, I got a dream for you. He gave him a dream, and that dream was that he would prosper and that there would be great things. But he had some harm come to his life. How many would agree with me on that? I mean, you can look at it. You think about the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men of God who ever lived, wrote so much of the New Testament that we have today. And yet here's a guy who wasn't that he never had any harm. In fact, he had rocks thrown at him. He was beaten. He was thrown into prison all because he knew and loved Jesus. And yet still God had a plan for his life. You look at the disciples. Here are people who gave up everything to follow Jesus with all that they had. And yet you look at their lives and you see that they were persecuted. In fact, many of them actually were martyred for being Christians. And you take this verse and apply it to their lives. And if that really meant, if Jeremiah 29, 11 really meant that there would be no more problems, no struggles, no difficulties, nothing happened bad in your life, then most of the time you could look at Joseph, you could look at Paul, you could look at the disciples, and they would all have a right to be mad at God. And so sometimes the reason we're mad at God is because we've been taught the wrong thing. So you say, well, pastor, what is the right teaching? Well, let's see what Jesus actually, actually said 
about it in this passage in the book of John, chapter 16 and verse 33. Look what he says. He says, in this world, you will have what? Everybody say it aloud. You will have troubles, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. Jesus says this, hey guys, yes, I have a plan for you. My plan is to prosper you, not to harm you. My plan is to give you hope and a future, but here's what you need to understand. It's a whole expectation thing, kind of we talked about last week. Here's what you need to understand. In this world, as long as you're in this place, in this world, things aren't perfect. So you will have problems. Everybody look at your neighbor. Just tell them you're going to have problems. I know some of you are going, Pastor, you need to be more positive than that. Okay, I'm positive. You will have problems. That joke works every time. It just does. And here's the deal. You will. But here's the good news is Jesus says, you're going to have problems, but I've already overcome the problems. I've already overcome the struggle. I've already overcome the stuff that you are facing in your life. And if you think that because I serve Jesus, I'm not going to have problems, you're going to be frustrated, disappointed, sometimes even mad at God, if that's the teaching that you believe. But if you listen to Jesus' teaching, you will understand that, yes, there will be problems, but Jesus has already overcome those problems. In fact, most of us think, well, I have problems. Does that mean that God doesn't love me? But Paul talked about it in Romans 8 and 35. He says, does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecution or hunger or destitute or in danger or deafened or sickened, uh, threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overcoming victory is ours through Jesus Christ who loved us. The scripture teaches us, hey, you're going to have problems, but that doesn't mean like God doesn't love you. Number two, why do we become angry at God sometimes? I think sometimes it's because of wrong teaching. Sometimes I think it's because of wrong thinking. Everybody say wrong thinking. Sometimes actually the wrong teaching has kind of led us to a place of wrong thinking or led us to a place of of maybe wrong believing. In fact, we've talked about this before. It's something that we call the theology of happiness. In fact, this is one that really has, I think, overtaken our culture in America, especially today. And here's how the theology of happiness goes. It basically goes like this, is that we start thinking in our mind and start believing this thing that that says that God's ultimate plan for you above all else is that he wants you to be happy. God wants me to be happy. So anything that makes me happy must be from God. And anything that doesn't make me happy must not be from God. So if it makes me happy, I'll do it. And if it doesn't make me happy, then I won't do it. And then if I'm not happy because God's ultimate plan and purpose for my life is for me to be happy, if I'm not happy, it must be God's fault that I'm not happy. And so I'm mad because of I'm in unhappy circumstances in my life. Come on, right? And we laugh, but it's true. This is the way we think sometimes that God is here to serve us and to make our lives happy and comfortable and all of this pleasure and all of these pleasantries and all these things that God has because this is God's ultimate plan. And let me just tell you something here today. That's wrong. It's not God's ultimate plan for you to be happy. Now, everyone listen, okay? Everybody listen very, very closely because I don't want anybody going to misquote me and being mad at me after this series that we've been talking about being mad. You shouldn't, but you could if you don't understand this. I am not saying that God doesn't want you to be happy. 
I believe that God delights in the happiness of his people, just like I delight in the happiness of my children. Man, I love it when my kids are happy, right? And yet, even though I love it when my kids are happy, I I want them to be happy, but that's not my number one ultimate purpose for their life. My number one desire for their life is not their happiness, even though I delight in their happiness. My number one ultimate desire for their life is that they would grow to complete maturity, Right, So here's the thing, as a father, sometimes there are things that would make them happy but would not be good for them. And so sometimes their happiness is not my number one priority. Instead, my number one priority is the things that would be the best for them. I mean, for instance, I have a nine-month-old son, okay? And he is, I mean, he's into everything. He likes to crawl around and grab everything. I mean, if it, has, if it has a cord on it, he wants to grab it. If, I mean, if it's something to put your finger in, he wants to put his finger in it. How many know what I'm saying, right? And so he likes to crawl around or whatever. And whenever he goes towards that light socket, he wants to put his finger in the light socket. And he thinks, I'll be happy if I put my finger in the light socket. And when I pull him back from the light socket he's not very happy but I know something that he doesn't know here's what I know that if he puts his finger in that light socket that he's not going to be happy and so because I yes I want him to be happy I hate it when he's mad at me and yet I know something he doesn't know I know something that's better for him and so many times here's the reason we get mad at God is because we think well God is here to make me happy and then when things happen that don't make me happy we're mad because we're not happy but here's what we have to understand is that God knows more than us and there are times there are times in life when something that might make us happy now would hinder us from being fully and completely mature into what God wants us to be so here's what we have to understand if you're taking notes you might want to write this down. God's plan for you is not that you would be happy, but that you would grow to become holy. See, God's ultimate plan for you is not that you would be comfortable and happy all the time, but instead that you would grow into the holiness, into the likeness of his son. In fact, this is what Peter says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 16. For the scriptures say, you must be what? You must be holy because I am holy. God's ultimate purpose for me is that I would live a life set apart for him and that I would grow more into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. And so sometimes in order to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ, there will be times when things happen that are not comfortable and don't necessarily make me happy. In fact, we've said this a million times, but I'm gonna, I'll say it a million more because it's so powerful is this, is God is way more concerned with your character than he is with your comforts. He cares so much more about who you are than about how you feel. And if God wants to build your character, guess what? How is character built? It's built by going through some stuff that's uncomfortable sometimes. I mean, just for instance, if you want to build some muscle, if you want to get into shape, you don't get into shape by sitting on the couch eating donuts, right? You get into shape by getting up off the couch and doing some things, and the process of getting into shape is actually very uncomfortable, And it's the same way spiritually, the process of getting into spiritual condition, growing into the likeness of God's own son, Jesus, sometimes is uncomfortable. Sometimes it's something that makes us not feel very happy in the moment, but it's what's best for us in the end run. In fact, this is what James was talking about in James 1 and verse 2. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and perseverance 
Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be what? You may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Here's what James says. Hey, there will be times when you're not happy because you're going through struggles and trials. And if you think in your mind that God's ultimate plan for you is your happiness, then in those times you will be mad at him. But if you realize that God's ultimate plan is not your happiness, but your holiness, then when you go through those struggles and trials in life, you can do what James says to do. You can have joy in your heart, even in the midst of struggle, because you know that it's building something deep down inside of you. Come on, I'm helping. I'm helping you today. Why do we get mad at God? Sometimes it's wrong teaching. Sometimes it's wrong thinking. Number three, write this one down. This is a big one for a lot of us. Sometimes it's wrong timing. (laughs) Here's, here's where a lot of us are, okay? We understand, okay? I know that if I come to Jesus, it doesn't mean all my problems are gonna go away. I know that, I figured that out, okay? I also know that God's just not about me being happy. But some of us, here's where we get frustrated, disappointed, angry with God sometimes, is that we know God has a promise and a plan, and yet sometimes those promises and plans take longer than we wanted them to do, right? Come on, now I will ask you to raise your hand for this one. How many of you have ever just felt like you were just waiting on God? Come on, raise your hand all over this place. I mean, you're going, man, I wanted to be married so bad, and I, here I am, and I'm not married, and it's taking forever. God, we wanted to have kids, and we tried, and we can't have kids. And God, I know you promised that, but it's taking forever. God, I wanted that dream job, but I'm not getting the dream job and I'm still stuck in the dead end job. And God, when are you going to come through? It's taking forever. God, I prayed for this situation or this person or whatever. And God, you are taking too long. Come on. Am I the only one? And here's what happens when God doesn't come through on the timing that we had planned. Then sometimes we get angry, frustrated. God, what are you doing? I'm just, I'm just so frustrated so mad at you because you promised this, but then this is not happening in the time that I wanted it to happen. And God, I don't understand. Come on. In fact, it reminds me of the two sisters that we talked about last week. And their brother, Mary and Martha, had a brother named Lazarus. You might remember his story. And Lazarus got really sick. And so Martha sends for Jesus because she knows if Jesus gets to where they are, that Jesus will just heal him and he'll be better. So she sends for Jesus who is, who is in another town to come. Hey, your friend Lazarus, my brother, hey, he's sick. Come over here and heal him, make him better. Well, what does Jesus do? We would think that Jesus would just go, oh man, my friend is sick. Let's run over there and heal him. But what did Jesus do? Jesus waited two more days. After he found out that Lazarus was sick, waited two more days. And in those two more days, what happened to Lazarus? He died. And when Jesus finally shows up and Lazarus is dead, Martha is a little bit frustrated again, just like she was with her sister. She's mad. And this time she's not mad at her sister. This time who's she mad at? She's mad at Jesus. In fact, look what it says in John 11 and verse 22, uh, verse 21. Martha says, Lord... If you had just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I can imagine her saying it like that, right? Like, duh, I called for you two days ago and you didn't come. Where were you? How many ever felt like that before? Like, God, where are you in this? And we get mad and we get frustrated with God because, because his timing is different than our timing. But here's what we have to understand. Write this down if you're taking notes. God's delays are not God's denials. God has a plan and he has a timing for that plan. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, Peter says it like this. He says, for the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. 
Instead, he is what? Everybody say it aloud. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, I understand that that verse, if you, if you look at the context of that verse, it's talking about the Lord, his return. And some people were going, God, when are you going to return? I thought you were coming back sooner. And, and Peter goes, no, the Lord's not slow. He's going to come back in his timing. And he's being patient because he doesn't want people to perish. He's given them more time to repent, more time to come to him. I understand the context of that. And yet, even without the context of that, or even in the context of that, you can actually see the nature and the character of God. That when we are in situations in our life where it seems like the Lord is moving slowly, his character is just like what we see in this passage, that he's not slow. Instead, what he is, is he is patient. And we think he's being slow. God, when am I going to get married? God, when are we going to have kids? God, when am I going to get that job? God, when am I going to... All this stuff that we want God to do. And God is not being slow in that. What he's doing is he's being patient with you so that you will be ready when the time comes to receive the promise that he has for you. And here's what he knows. He knows that if he gives you what you want and it's in the wrong timing, it won't help you. It will hurt you. And so he says, I'm not slow. What I am is I am patient. So here's what you have to do. You have to trust. Everybody say trust. You have to trust. You have to trust my timing. Some of us, man, the reason we're angry at God is because we're not trusting God's timing in our life. Why do we get mad at God? Sometimes it's because of wrong teaching. Sometimes it's wrong thinking. Sometimes it's wrong timing. Number four, write this one down. Sometimes, and man, this is going to be a tough one, but we all have to swallow it. Sometimes it's because of wrong living. Sometimes we're mad at God, but the really the only person we really have to be mad at is ourselves. Because we've done our own thing and we lived our own way and we disobeyed God's word and then we and then we find ourselves reaping the consequences of being disobedient to God's word, but then we're upset at God because of it. In fact, it reminds me of Samson. You remember his story? And remember how, I mean, Samson was an angry guy. He would get mad and go into fits of rage. And he was mad at the world, mad at people, mad at God, mad at everybody else. When really the only person that he really had to be mad at was himself. Because God gave him, you remember he was a Nazarite and there was a vow that he took, some things that he was supposed to do and some things that he wasn't supposed to do. And so God clearly told him what to do. And he told him, hey, don't go mess around with the Philistines or other foreign countries and people in foreign countries. But then what did Samson do? He didn't just mess around with the, with the Philistines. He actually dated them and even married one of them, right? I mean, come on. And then here's this, this guy, Samson, that God says, hey, don't touch anything unclean because you are a Nazarite. But then what does he do? He's out in the field one day and he picks up the carcass of a, of a lion and eats out of it. I mean, come on, that's as unclean as you can get, right? Gross, right? And then he says, hey, don't cut your hair. And then what does he do? He tells Delilah that if I cut my hair, I lose my strength. And over and over and over, Samson disobeys God's commands and then things bad happen in his life. But then he's mad at God because of it. And here's how many of us do. In fact, the scripture says that we would do it. It says it in Proverbs 19 and verse 3. A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. We did it to ourselves. We disobeyed God. And you know what the scripture teaches us? That there is a law of sowing and reaping. That if we sow to the flesh, we will reap from the flesh. But if we sow to the spirit, we will reap in the spirit. And so we sowed to the flesh. We disobeyed God's word. Then we reap the consequences of our disobedience. And then our hearts rage against the Lord. We're mad about it. And what do we have to do? We have to realize, hey, sometimes, okay, 
Not every time, but sometimes the reason I'm mad at God is really because I should be mad at me. I disobeyed. I did it. I was wrong. It was my fault. In fact, let's just do, let's just do a, little, a little exercise here today. Everybody take your hand, put it over your heart just like this, all right? You ready? And just repeat after me, okay? I did it. I made the choice. I said the words. I'm the one who settled for less. I'm the one who got mad. I'm the one who disobeyed God's word. I ate it. I treated myself like dirt. I trusted the TV ad. I'm the one who posted it on Facebook. I'm the one who maxed out the credit card. I chose the feeling. I'm the one who quits. It's my fault. Now, don't you feel better? Some of us need to get that point. We go, man, I did it. I'm mad at God, but really, I should only be mad at me. So some of you go, what do I do about this? Like, okay, yes, I, I have some of this. What do I do? Three things, just real quick, write this down. Number one, we're going to search it inwardly. Here's what we're going to do today, right now. I just want you, I want you to search your heart. Do you find yourself in your heart having any anger, disappointment, resentment towards God? Maybe it's because of some wrong teaching that you've heard. Maybe it's some wrong thinking, some things you've started to believe. Maybe it's because God hasn't come to, through on your timing. Maybe it's because of some issues that you've created for yourself. But even right now, just, just search inside and, and, and open up and just own it. It's like G.I. Joe says, knowing is half the battle, okay? You start right there. Hey, do I have it in my heart? I'm going to search it inwardly. Number two, write this one down. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say it outwardly. I'm going to say it honestly, actually. I'm going to say it honestly. It's okay. Everybody look at your neighbors. Tell them it's okay. It's okay to be honest with God. It's okay. If you find yourself going, man, I, yes, I do have this, even just, a, even just a tinge of resentment towards God in an area of my life that I don't understand what's going on, it's okay. Be honest. God can handle it. Guess what? God's big enough to handle your expressions of doubt and fear, disappointment, even anger. In fact, you look at the scripture, you go read the Psalms, okay? And you know what you'll see over and over and over? You'll see a man named David who over and over and over expresses struggles and his doubts and the things that he didn't understand. Sometimes even like, almost like shouting at God, I'm angry. God, this is not fair. I don't understand this. And yet here's a guy who over and over expresses disappointment towards God. And yet in the end, he became known as a person who was a man after God's own heart. Let me tell you something. Some of us are afraid to admit, man, I, man I'm struggling with this area. Say it out loud. Sometimes prayer, can be, sometimes prayer can be the best therapy in the world. Just going to God and saying, God, I don't get it. And sometimes, you know, prayer is just speaking words. Sometimes it's... It's bearing our heart before God. You know what the scripture tells us? That we could cast all of our cares upon him for he cares for us. I don't think that's just talking about worries and anxieties. I think it's even talking about the times when I don't understand and I'm frustrated and I'm mad. God, I don't get it. It's okay. It's okay to cast that on God because he cares for you. We're going we're gonna to search it inwardly. Is it in my heart? We're going we're gonna to speak it honestly, and not just to God, but 
man, maybe you find someone that you can trust. This is the reason life groups are so important. That's why we encourage you, if you're not in a group, go by the wall today, find a group and get in because you need people to be able to express those doubts and those fears with people that will love you and help you process it. Number three, here's what we're gonna do is we're gonna surrender it fully. Let me tell you something. It's okay to be mad at God. It is. But it's not okay to stay mad. It's okay. Some of you right now, man, you're struggling with this. And you're going, I don't know if it's okay to admit this. It's okay. It's okay to admit it. It's okay as long as you don't let yourself stay there. As long as you decide, I want to give it to God. Yes, I don't understand it all. Yes, I don't know his timing and his plan and all of those things, but I'm going to trust that he knows better than me, and so I'm going to give it to him. In fact, it reminds me of this passage in the Psalms, this passage that David writes. I don't have time to read the whole thing. It's it's kind of long, but basically David is struggling. He's complaining to the Lord, and he's saying, doesn't seem right, God, that I do the right thing, and I'm struggling, and people do the wrong thing, and they're prospering, and it just doesn't seem right. In Psalm 73, verse 2, he says, I had almost stopped believing. I had almost lost my faith because I was jealous of proud people. I saw wicked people doing well. They're not suffering. They're healthy and strong. They don't have all the troubles like the rest of us. They don't have problems like other people. I mean, can you hear what's going on in David's heart? He's going, man, God, this is not fair. This is not right. I don't like this. But then something happens. A couple of verses down in verse number 16, David has a revelation. And look what he says. He says, I tried to understand all this and it was too hard for me to see until I went into the temple of God. And then I understand what, understood what would happen to them. You have put them in danger and you've caused them to be destroyed and they are destroyed in the moment and they are swept away by terrors and it will all be a waking dream. Lord, when you arise, they will disappear. David says, hey, I thought it wasn't fair. I thought life wasn't right because I was looking at it through the wrong thinking and the wrong teaching and in the wrong timing. And I was thinking, here's people that are doing bad and they're prospering and I'm doing good and I'm struggling and this is not fair and it's not even worth it. I might as well just give up and quit on this thing. Until I came to that moment in the presence of God when I realized that his ways are better than my ways. His ways are higher than my ways. And sometimes I don't understand. And sometimes I'm frustrated. And sometimes, I, I, man, it's just like I don't get it. And I feel like giving up and quitting. But I'm not going to quit because I know God is better than all of my fears and all of my struggles and all of those problems. I trust in him. And so I surrender it fully and completely to him. And that's what it all comes down to.